Hello there. Welcome. This is a special edition of To a Certain Degree called Odd Numbers. Every other Monday, my guest and I choose a theme, we play some music, and we chat. Do we always stay on topic? Not quite. But it's always a fun talk, and I think you'll like it. The topic for this episode is culture, and the extra special returning guest is a Kwanzaa Cadigan. He's working on an installation for Immerse, aka the Creative City Project. He tested it out a bit earlier this year, and now he has it ready for the mean streets of downtown Orlando. They aren't mean, and many of them are avenues, but still, he's ready. Culture means a lot of things to a lot of people, and I think we do a good job of barely scratching the surface. For more on this episode, please visit toacertaindegree.com. And now, on with the show. Roy Ayers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Good morning. You're listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick, and I am here every week from 7 to 9 a.m. Every week I have a very special guest. Some weeks I try to bring people back. I want them to come back because we had such a good conversation the first time around, and they're doing such interesting things, and this show is about people who are doing interesting things in the Orlando area, so I have to have them back. So I call that show Odd Numbers. Because typically I'm a little bit off and the guest is a little bit off as well, trying to do a, a lot of things at once. And that's definitely a description of my guest, Kwanzaa Cadigan, is here. Good morning, Kwanzaa. Good morning, good morning, Thank good morning. Thank you so much for coming back, man. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah. I really appreciate it. We were oh. talking a little bit about the timing of the show and how perfect it is for the stuff you have going on. So I'm really yeah. happy we got to do this this morning. It's funny how the universe works. It's... uh. We had planned this a very long time ago before I had a full gamut of things to do. And here we are. Here we just are. Have you at the beginning of fall? Because <laughs> then we could just talk about the stuff you have going through fall. And then maybe at the first of the year, yeah. you could do the like the New Year's. Come on for the New Year's show. Yeah. And we we'll talk about everything recap, that you're doing yeah, in we, 2020. Recap 2019 and then talk about 2020. You're right. So, topic wise, we were talking, so Odd Numbers is a little more topic-based, and so uh, if you missed any of the show with uh, Kwanzaa, you can go ahead and listen to that, get a little bit more of his background. But we wanted to come up with something we could talk about, and something that I think that appeals to both of us when you mentioned it was culture. Yeah. You know, what does that mean to you? How do you interact with it? Yeah. What's the lens through which you see society now because right. of the culture in which you were raised or the culture you're now being exposed to. Yeah. So there's a lot to that. There is, there is. And it's funny because culture, when I present that word seems to scare people sometimes. Um, I think a little bit. Yeah. I think there's a little misconception of, of what it is and, and it means so many things to different people. But for me, culture is kind of rooted in everything. It's everyday life. It's the music we listen to. It's, the shows we watch, it's, you know, uh, the books we read and, and the clothes we wear. It's it's something that it doesn't matter your nationality or your race. It's it's universal, right? Like I may not know a lot about reggaeton, but when I hear a nice beat, like I'm, I'm going to say that's You're great music. Yeah. yeah, that's great yeah. music regardless. And, and the same thing goes for any cultural music that you listen to. Um, and again, that goes for anything, the books we read and, and, and the music we listen to, the shows we watch. I think culture is this is this all encompassing thing. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. For me, culture is kind of the foundation of my brand, time mm -hmm. capsule for the culture. Um, 
I live, breathe, and, and eat, sleep culture. I think when you see me, you'll see, you know, this guy looks like he's a renaissance guy because I just embody culture. So yeah. uh, I can't wait for us to dig deep into that today. It's going to be fun. Well, let's start out. So the first thing I think about when I think culture is grown up. And when I, when I was, uh, you know, my formative years were in Daytona Beach, Florida, okay. or in Ormond Beach, Florida. Okay. Uh, very much ensconced, though, in the Greek community there. Okay. So just like a lot of uh, cultures, a lot of ethnicities, uh, a lot of uh, nationalities, when yeah. they move to a new country, they move in groups. Sure. So there were a lot of Greek people that moved to the coast of mm. Ormond and Daytona Beach in the early 70s, including okay. my family and a lot of my family. Sure, so sure, most sure. of my dad's side of the family. And I remember thinking that, you know, this is this is my culture but because it was so different than everybody else's that yeah. I was always like trying to escape it to mm. an extent. Right. I wanted to be more American. I wanted yeah. to have experiences that were a little different than mine. Sure. Because I felt like an outsider. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is, and I think it, it happens today more and more is that you get to an age where people, you realize that people are jealous of you mm. because you had this cultural experience that they did that not. They did not. Right, right, right. Yeah. And like you're you're in this position where you know I just I I want to not have that. <laughs> it's very true, and I think sometimes it's funny because we forget across cultures we kind of experience the same thing just in different ways. Uh, and what I mean by that is you know my folks are same thing they're immigrants to America, but they came here they kind of built a better life, um, and in doing so a lot of their Caribbean. Uh, influence still kind of trickled over to me, even though I'm first generation American. Mm -hmm. So there was always this rule growing up is like children uh, should be seen and not heard, which for me is a really crazy thing now because now I do a lot of speaking and to think they just wanted me to just be quiet, right? And not, not talk that much. And here I am now, I'm grown up and talking is a very big part of what I do, you know, getting an opportunity to speak. Same thing goes with, like I said, being first generation American and, mm -hmm. and going to college and finish finishing school. I think a lot of uh, transient, I mean, Orlando's been a hub for a lot of nationalities to come and kind of grow and flourish. Uh, but those are the same things people experiencing and being uh, first generation American and going to school and finishing school, um, getting a family and, and owning a home and, and owning a car. These these are all things that we all, no matter what nationality you come from or race you come from, these are all aspirations I think we all have. And for me, I try to focus on that in culture. That's kind of what my strong suit is, is like, these are the things that unite us in culture. And uh, that's kind of where I start when I create uh, when I'm thinking of new concepts and ideas is like, how can I create something that's going to appeal to everybody and not just one specific type of people? So do you think that, so looking at my own family and, and I could be completely wrong about this. I want to see if this is um, similar to your experience. There's sort of this idea of an immigrant family coming in and wanting to strengthen the family mm -hmm. And then the next generation, or maybe the, even the generation after that, wanting to strengthen the community, right? Strengthen, I should say. Of course. Um, but the idea is that, yeah, you're you're looking for those things. You have that quote unquote American dream. Yeah. But then, it's interesting because I feel like uh, my kids, you know, to an extent, I do more than my parents, and yeah. hopefully, my kids do more than me. Yeah. 
want to see this, you know, the the rising tide lifts all boats and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think now more than ever, it's important that we strengthen community. I think community is important because, you know, once I'm dead and gone, my children are going to have to still live in the community. And it's important that we strengthen the community to a point where it's tolerant of everybody and, and all types of cultures and backgrounds. And I think you turn on your phone, you turn on your TV nowadays, and it's telling you the opposite. It's, it's filled with so much negativity and it's, it's kind of my duty that I'm trying to find this vaccine for hate. I'm trying to figure out how can we dumb the hate down a little bit and, and, make the positivity bubble up to the top, I guess, because that's, that's to me is more important than anything is the legacy that we're going to live, leave for our kids is, uh, that to me is way more important than anything that's happening right now. Well, and we'll, and I want to talk about it, the 1080 by 1080 installation and then time capsule for the culture, because that is interesting in terms of, uh, what you're doing, but the idea behind it is really interesting because it's very easy to go online and be negative. Yeah. It's very easy to go online and be a troll. Oh, it's very easy to go online and think you're being funny. Yeah. If you've never been taught what it is to be positive and what the the hard work that goes into that, sure. right? <laughs> yeah. I find myself constantly fighting against this idea of being a cynic mm. because that is how my sense of humor was developed sure. it is around sort of this cynicism is around kind of eye rolling and things mm, of that nature. I got you. Playing and the so dozens. they used to call it playing the dozens. Yeah. <laughs> and so watching stuff or thinking about things okay. like, and choosing to be inspired rather than choosing to be, yeah. uh, making fun of something. Yeah. Following the herd. That's kind of what I call it. You kind of follow the herd. Uh, it's so much easier to kind of do what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much harder to go against the grind and, and kind of swim upstream is kind of what I think about it. But uh, it's 1080 by 1080 really started with that. Um, spending a lot of time on social media and that's kind of where everyone's getting their information nowadays. Um, and I was noticing that there was a lack of positive images, positive information being circulated on social media. And so just to take a step back, 1080 by 1080, the actual name of the installation is the dimensions of an Instagram square. Um, that is the dimension. So 1080 by 10, anything that fits in that, that square box. Mm-hmm. And so for me, what it was, was how can I, A, art, community, and play. Those were the three things that I really wanted to merge together. Right. And art came from the graffiti that I would see in the streets uh, living in New York or even here in Orlando. I mean, we have a huge graffiti uh, community here. Your murals and yeah, everything. <clears throat> so seeing that, that was the only time I really saw art. We didn't have money back then to kind of get into museums and and kind of see things hanging on walls. So for me, the art was the graffiti on the streets. And so that was the idea of creating these walls. They're uh, seven by five foot walls that kind of go together like a I don't know how to describe it because I'm showing the hand motions, but you can't see it on the radio. But basically, Um, so four pieces that are attached together so they stand up. Exactly. And the whole idea was for you, the listeners, to kind of become the art. You stand in front of the walls and you fit yourself in that 1080 by 1080 frame and take the picture. You hopefully post it. um, And then we kind of start this chain reaction of of putting a little bit more positivity Mm -hmm. online. And what you'll find on the walls are positive quotes, 
uh, just images that'll inspire people to kind of, you know, start being more positive in, in, in a positive light. And then the community, of course, is how do I get Central Florida kind of excited about what I'm doing? You know, how do I do that? And I partnered with some of my brothers at Route 7 Orlando. Uh, it's a really group guy, group great group of guys out here, and they're going to help me kind of rally the city behind getting involved in terms of volunteering. It's going to be a table tennis uh, event as well. So we're going to get folks kind of playing table tennis and those folks that are volunteering are going to come out and help score. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the play aspect, of course, is getting everybody to uh, go back to their youth and play table tennis. And for me, table tennis, just to deviate a little bit for me, was really big in the Caribbean culture. Um, My first major purchase I remember my father buying when we moved to Florida was a table tennis and we would play it would be such a competitive sport and when I told people about that narrative they were like I love table tennis and then another person would be I play tables and I love table tennis and then it started this chain reaction of like listen it's something that is universal everyone loves this sport let's put it in the middle of downtown Orlando and just kind of see how it works out so art community play 1080 by 1080 that's kind of it in a nutshell but when we talk about uh, the installation in downtown Orlando, let's take it a step back. This sure. is the Creative City Project, yes, aka Immerse, Immerse. which is coming up in October. Yeah, so the 18th a little, and 19th, I think well, that's a Friday. And oh Saturday. man, like this is three weeks yeah, now. Yeah, we're three weeks out. I am lost when it comes to <laughs> dates and times, man. Yeah. It's so time. okay, so around three weeks from now, yeah. downtown Orlando yeah. gets turned into essentially uh, one big art installation. Yeah. It's a creative playground. They're going to yeah. pretty much shut down the streets and. Anybody who's creative is going to kind of bring their their creativity to the streets and, and for us to enjoy. So I'm just honored to be a part of that. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's such a big deal to be a part of that. So It's, it's going to be pretty amazing. Yeah. But this isn't necessarily the first time you've tried this, right? You did this over at the uh, Art of Collaboration back in April. I did. As well. I did. So uh, shout outs to all those folks. They're a really great group of folks. Um, I came to them with the idea and they were like, we love it. <laughs> Let's try it out. Um, and that really gave me an opportunity to kind of dry run the idea before I launch it to the city. Mm-hmm. And there were some kinks and things that I discovered there that I was able to work out in terms of how do I let people know how f- close you need to stand to the wall and how far away your photographer needs to stand in order to fit it in the frame. So these are little things that I had no idea I needed to kind of flush out before. So hopefully when you come this time, you'll Everyone will know exactly what to do. You'll know where to stand. Your photographer will know where to stand and take the picture. Um, and you don't even have to be a photographer. Anyone with a phone or um, any kind of device that takes a picture should right. be able to do this. Yeah. So it's not it's not that different from an Instagram wall that you might see at uh, different places, different coffee shops, stuff I, like that. I'm noticing but that it's, it's more a targeted. Thing. It is. Right? It is. It is. I'm. A lot of the things I'm doing are purposeful. Um, a lot of the pictures and the quotes yeah. and the art that I'm putting on those walls are very purposeful. And hopefully when um, people kind of see the pictures circulate and it'll make more sense. So you have this concept or you, maybe not even a concept. It's more like a feeling. Yeah. Like people should be or how can I help people be more positive on right. social media? Yeah. You maybe sketch it out or maybe, you know, you're in the shower one day or you're <laughs> just about asleep. I don't know when, like, the muse strikes you, yeah. right? Like, everybody's a little bit different. Maybe right. you're on a walk or maybe you're just, 
you're halfway asleep and all of a sudden it hits you. Yeah, you jump up out of my sleep. Exactly. You sketch it out and you're like, I don't know, this might be an idea. This might be psychotic. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's it could be both. It could be both. Right, right, right. right. It almost has to be in, yeah. in a sense. Yeah, it has to be. Um, and so you go for it. You find this uh, art of collaboration that mm-hmm. says, you know, uh, we'll try it out. So yeah. you're probably like three weeks beforehand. You're probably manically putting it together. <laughs> you and the family maybe, or right. you're just hanging out with the family. And then after they go to sleep, you're doing this till oh, yeah. one, two, three in the morning. Of course, yeah. I guess, you know, after all that. So right. this is kind of the process. Mm-hmm. And I, the reason I, I wanted to talk about it was because it's a pretty interesting process, first right. of all, but also to encourage people who have maybe half an idea that there's outlets for these things, right? right? Like immerse creative city project. If you know anything about it, um, it it can be a little intimidating seeming if you're trying something new. Yeah. Right. But it is, it is in a sense. And, and I like to remind people that I am not a trained artist by any sense. I am just, I don't want to say I'm a regular guy because I've learned I'm not regular, but I definitely not regular. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a trained background in any type of artistic thing, but I do have these visions of making things better. And for me, the artistry came in. How do I take those ideas and make them something tangible that people can kind of see, touch, feel, smell? And in doing so, um, that's how I stumbled across these amazing people. So for me, um, I like to shout out um, Eddie Sullivan. I like to shout out um, Ricardo Williams. Uh, these are just people who, before they even knew who a Kwanzaa Cadigan was, they just were like, we're willing to take a gamble and see what this guy's about. He's, he seems like he's got some pretty great ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, we're just going to give him a platform to kind of to, to do these some of these things. Same with art of collaboration. Um, and it, it starts with a chance. It starts with an opportunity. Um, I've got these little notepads of all these ideas that I have and the universe just kind of puts these people in the right place to kind of give me an opportunity. And then once you get the opportunity, um, you make the most of it. For me, that's kind of how it works. And so the three AMs when I'm jumping up with an idea and I'm sketching it down on, on my phone or on the pad, um, one day, one day when you're writing it down, someone's going to give you an opportunity to make it tangible. And that's kind of the mentality I have is just keep doing what you're doing. The right people will come in place and kind of make that idea something that you can make real. So, Well, and as far as outreach goes, like sometimes they'll come to you, but sometimes you have to make the effort as well, right? <laughs> so you mentioned Eddie Sullivan of mm-hmm. Pachaca Chao Orlando, uh-huh. Ricardo Williams of Nerd Night. Yeah. Um, those are two events that if you're not attending now, you should be attending. Should be, yeah. But go, why not ask to speak at one of those? Of course. What's yeah. the worst that can happen? They say no. Yeah, they say no. You know, um, actually for some people who are, you, fear of public speaking is a real thing. Yeah. It's like the second biggest fear beyond death. <laughs> it is. You're um, absolutely right. And so yeah. like, it's not just for people who are considered good public speakers. Yeah. Like even they had to practice, even they Definitely. had to have these opportunities to get up there Definitely. and try something new yeah. and, uh, you know, be bad at it for a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of failure that happens in this creative process that people don't really talk about. And I think it was in a failure that I really kind of discovered who I am and kind of the direction I had, because once I failed and I was like, all right, I know how to not do it. I've yeah. learned how not to do things and how to do it again and, and be a little bit successful. 
And again, just to kind of go back to where I started, I mean, for me, it was writing. Um, I started by writing a few books and that was easy because I was able to sit in the dark. No one had to know my name. And then one day I was like, you know what? Writing isn't enough. I'm going to go out and speak. And that's how I met, you know, a couple of those folks that I called out there and I did the speaking. And then I, I realized, you know what? I need to evolve because writing is cool. Speaking is cool. But now I want to I want to get out and help the community. And I started getting into activism. And that was an interesting journey for me, because every time I'd say that word, people would again, like culture, they'd cringe a little like, oh, whoa, what is that? What is an activist? You know, and um, it took a little while for me to kind of change the perception that not all activists go out and march and are, are holding signs like there are different ways of being an activist. And for me, that was through creativity mm -hmm. and going back and talking to young kids. And so I got to do a lot of community outreach and activism there. And now I've, I've kind of evolved into this creative, this full blown creative where, I mean, there's, I, I'd like to say there's nothing I can't do. If I can think it, I can, I can kind of create it. And so it's, you should always challenge yourself to evolve. I mean, if you're listening to this and you have an idea and you're just thinking, how can I, move forward past this idea is just just keep creating just keep staying the course doing what you're doing and eventually eventually someone will notice and eventually someone will give you an opportunity and when that time comes you'll be ready because you've been practicing all this time i mean writing speaking getting out in the community all those things are kind of what packaged me into this kwanzaa brand and even time capsule for the culture which is another kind of outlet for me to kind of be creative so let me ask you before, let's play another song. Okay. Uh, and Kwanzaa was kind enough to pick all the music today. Hey. So if you missed uh, the beginning, we started out with Roy Ayers. Yes, yes, uh, yes Everybody yes. Loves the Sunshine, which is one of my Sunshine. favorite songs of his. <laughs> but uh, let me ask you, so we started talking about culture and we started talking about, you know, being raised in specific cultures. And one of the things you discussed and, and you said was growing up, it was uh, children should be seen, not heard. Yeah situation for your parents yeah what about with your kids do you tell them that or do you oh, say man, no speak up yeah this is a this is a different era it's a different genre and i mean uh it's funny because as a parent now i'm kind of like a gasp when i hear my kids be like they speak their mind but i'm like that's what i want you to do i really yeah. i want you to speak your mind i want you to to say what you feel and then let me kind of deal with it right it's it's kind of a shift on parenting it's like how do i not get upset when he talks when my son or daughter talks back uh but I want them to. I think that's important at a young age to realize you you have an opinion. You have a voice. You have a voice and it matters yeah. and um, speak it um, and then let everyone kind of deal with it as they feel. So that's that's been an interesting thing as well as parenting in the 21st century. <laughs> I think that's that's very interesting. We'll it leave is. it at that for now. We're going to play a song. Uh, Anderson Pack. Do you know if it's Pack or Pock? I think it's Pock. Pock. Anderson Pock. This is one of my favorite songs. I mean, this will get you up in the morning if, it, if if you're not up yet. This is one of my favorites. All right, good. You don't need coffee. You've got us. <laughs> You've got us. Exactly. So my name is Nick. You're listening to me and a Kwanzaa Cat again. If you miss any of the show, it'll be up as a podcast. Yeah. And you can always listen to a Kwanzaa's original podcast uh, from being on the show. When was it? Back in 2018? I think so. Yeah, I it's been so. a little over a year. Yeah. All right. So this is Anderson Pock with Malibu on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. Coming up on the show, October and November are months, true or false? Correct. This is the part of the commercial where we have audience participation. The last two guests of October and the first two guests of November all host 
or co-host shows of their own. On October 21st, Chantal Watts of... That's right, Full Frontal Nerdity. You are correct. October 28th, our Halloween episode with Emily Fontano from The Hilarious. Uh, uh, Amanda and Emily, we have a podcast. Robin Hoffman is on November 4th. You know her from Chat With Me on the Side and other things, but that's her show. Last and certainly not least, Allison Steedle will be steedling me and making her radio debut on November 18th. She's part of Offcuts. You're doing so good at this. Subscribe to the podcast and listen live if you want. Now back to the show. Anderson Pock on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree from the album Malibu. That was lightweight. I'm here with a Kwanzaa Cadigan. Morning, 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 morning. Thank you so much for picking the music, man. That takes so much pressure off of me. Listen, it's a bucket list moment for me. I mean, those people who know me know that music plays a really big role in my life. So the opportunity to get to select some music and jam out with you in the morning is amazing, man. So there are three different times in my life that I think back or, or not, opportunities may be a better word for it. Okay. Where I think back and music came into my life in a different way. Okay. One of them was working at a, it was kind of like a precursor to Best Buy. It was called Media Play. Okay. And it was the first time I got a discount on music and I was actually <laughs> able to buy stuff and explore sure. different things. Okay. Another one was working over at WUCF. Okay. And so being exposed to jazz for the first time. Right. Uh, so all the albums over there, all the CDs, all the artists. Right. And then doing overnights and being able to DJ there and like doing different things. Okay. Um, and what we were supposed to do at the time, this is late 90s, mid to late 90s. Sure. Was quote unquote acid jazz. Okay. Which was just a newer thing that they were calling funk basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I got exposed a lot there. And now it's, you know through my son so he's now the music snob of the family as opposed to me being that and he's the one introducing me to stuff like we were talking about Sufjan Stevens last night which is an indie artist wow and you know he wants to do a video he does video uh, reviews of music and things wow. of that nature okay and so he's writing he's like hey, i was going to write about five albums but i've already done a thousand words on this one album right, 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 right and so i may only do three and so we're talking about one of his songs right. and digging into it and you know he was asking me if i remember what the indie scene was like back in 2005 i was like no <laughs> i sure don't but just tell me what songs to listen to right what were some of the key points and key time frames for you in terms of listening to music and how that influenced you certainly um i think the very first time and i probably can pinpoint music to three major times in my life as well i think the first time was the transition from new york to florida um how old were you eight seven eight years old at that point so i'm pretty vested as a floridian right now i can you can say that uh but in transitioning to florida you know we lived kind of in the pine hills area I went to schools kind of like Eccleston and Weingard and those schools, which for those who don't know, those are considered pretty much title one schools. Um, But for me, being an outsider coming to Orlando, I was bullied a lot, um, the way I talked, the way I dressed. And my escape then was band. 
Um, I was a huge uh, band geek at that time, and that's where I would run to escape, you know, just the ridicule and the bullying. Um, and in that that kind of oasis in music is where I kind of discovered there's a lot of different kind of music, right? There isn't just what's playing on the radio, mm-hmm. um, but you had to have you kind of have to search it out. You have to go find it. You have to go dig. We call it digging in the crates a little bit, but you got to go dig up this music. Uh, the second time would be my father. Um, my dad's a huge music guy. Um, I discovered jazz through him. Um, a lot of West Indian music, a lot of uh, reggae. So Gregory Isaacs, Barris Hammond. Um, we would take trips to Atlanta, Georgia for a big Caribbean festival every year. And that eight, nine hour drive up to Atlanta, my dad would have the cassette tapes. I remember he had this, uh, it was a champagne colored Nissan Pathfinder and he'd bring all these cassette tapes and we'd listen to all these songs. And these are songs that I can recite the words for word for word. Now the, all the lyrics. And then now, like you said, now that I have kids, um, it's been this constant thing of trying to teach them different genres of music. So my house is always filled with, you know, Coltrane and Davis. Um, I try to play the same Barris Hammond and Bob Marley's that they hear. And then I, I try to listen to the new stuff that's out um, mm-hmm. because it's important that, um, not only my kids stay relevant, but I stay relevant. And like, I always want to, I always want to know what the next new song is. And music, music for me is, I found an oasis here in Orlando. I don't know if a lot of people know of it, but uh, the donut shop. Um, and I'm yeah. sure there's a ton of record stores uh, throughout Orlando. But for me, that's been one of those places where I go and just find tranquility and peace, find a whole bunch of music that I've never heard before. Artists I've never heard before labels I've never heard before. And just kind of, spend hours just researching music. So um, if you're ever, I mean, if anybody's ever looking for a little history lesson in funk and jazz and hip hop, I would suggest going and check that place out, man. It's pretty cool. A lot of the record stores and you see records anywhere, thrift shops, you know, flea markets, that sort of thing. And a lot of the record stores I find are, here's everything. Here's (laughs) every record ever. So I'm always attracted a little bit more to, the record stores with a very specific aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Not only are they focused uh, like Donut Shop is, maybe on a specific type or a few different types of genres of music, Mm -hmm. but also it's not just every piece of memorabilia (laughs) that they've ever collected or ever seen. Right, right, right. You know, there's something about the record stores that have everything. This is true of any store for me. Sure, sure. That have everything out yeah. That stresses me out a little bit. <laughs> and I think it's because it's like there's so many options. There's so many yeah. things that I'm missing out on. This is too much. It's too much, yeah. I'd rather you have 200 albums out yeah. that I could look through and maybe interact with than 2 million. It, it's it's all about how you see order. I mean, I think when it's laid out that way, it's kind of how my mind works. It's it's never uh, compartmentalized and, and nicely shelved. Here's jazz, here's <laughs> funk, yeah. here's soul, like... For me, it's like if I'm digging and I'm like, oh, man, Barris Hammond's lumped in with a, a Miles Davis. Like that to me is like, wow, I, that to me is like finding a gem in the rough. You know, I, sure. it's all about how you look at it. But music is music. Like I said, we were playing the Anderson Pack, And even if you've never heard of him, I think the beat, the tempo, the cadence, all of those things, if it should just make your head bob. It should it should make you feel a little better after you finish listening to it. I think that's the the beauty of music is it leaves you feeling a little better after you've heard it um, than you did before you heard it. So 
I think going back to culture and when it comes to music, and again, we're talking a little bit about how when you use the term culture, that could get people a little bit uh, tense. A little bit tense. Right? Not really sure how to do it. <laughs> One of the things we talk about is cultural appropriation. Okay. And that's also something that tenses people up. So sure. when it comes to music, mm -hmm. uh, for my, for example, my son is really into hip hop. Okay. His first two concerts uh, that we went to, and we're looking at another one, uh, were hip hop. Okay. Um, so it was really interesting to see the crowd there. One of them was a band named Brockhampton. Okay. Um, who was a, a newer band, more recent band, but really, really good. Right. And I've enjoyed them um, not as much as, say, like a, one of my favorites was always Jurassic 5. Oh, man. That's and so, yeah, so yeah. there's something about, like, that very specific style where they're all kind of working together and sure. they're all staying on the same beat and uh, everything that it comes to. And I'm by no means <laughs> an expert on music sure. or hip-hop or anything sure, else. Sure, sure, sure. But this is Brockhampton's a little bit different. What was interesting about the first concert we went to was it was out in Tampa. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was, I can't remember if it was all ages or 13 and up, whatever it was. Sure. Uh, but they gave out probably, I was talking to somebody there, out of the thousand people, mm -hmm. maybe 25 to 30 had the 21 and up bands <laughs> because everybody else was 18 and under or right, right, 20 right, right. and under. Sure. Basically. Sure, sure, sure. So it was really interesting to see that and to experience a concert like that where, you know, yeah, I'm the oldest person there sure. more than likely. Sure. But also that the people are looking for that experience and you can go there and have that experience with a bunch of other young people. Sure. You know? I, I think the first thing we have to do with music is realize that music doesn't have a color it doesn't have a race it doesn't have an age um it's it's literally something that if it touches you you're drawn to it um and that goes for any genre honestly uh, for example i went to recently uh, i was in the milk district the other day and ali shaheed muhammad from uh tribe called quest was, yeah. uh he was in town and he had a he had a live band and he was playing the bass and it was amazing and I looked in the crowd and I would say 80% of the crowd didn't look like me. Um, and that's a misconception we have. We think, you know, if it's hip hop, if it's jazz, it's going to look a certain way. It's going to feel a certain way. Um, but that, that night, the crowd that was drawn to the music didn't look like me and that's okay. I think, I think we have to be okay with that. I think we don't need to kind of put music in, in labels and, and races. I think, if it touches you, mm -hmm. then it's good music, you know, and, and I think that goes for young people, um, an older generation, a new generation. A lot, I've had a lot of discussions about the new stuff that's out and, and how that is. And I'm like, listen, I, <clears throat> I think Kendrick Lamar is amazing. I love his stuff and I consider him one of the new guys that's out. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's out that I love, but again, it, it just has to touch me. I don't, to me, it doesn't matter the genre or or the sound it just if it if i feel so if it stirs something in me if it stirs the emotions yeah. then that's good music that's kind of how i look at it do you feel like did you have go through this maybe where there was this formative uh time in your life and that there was some music you listened to then and that was the only music yeah. you listened to for yeah. a while <laughs> like how did you break out of that <sighs> because for me it was it was working at media play. It was going to the station. Yeah. It was, you know, through my son to an extent, but not everybody can have that experience. So I'm just wondering, like, 
break out of the 80s music <laughs> that you're always listening to and try something else. It's funny you ask that. My mother is a huge uh, book fanatic. She loves reading books. And she got me my first library card. Uh, I had to be 12, 13. And I went to the library. And while she was looking in the books, I decided to just take a stroll into the music section. Mm-hmm. And at that time, CDs were really big. And to me, that's where they had it kind of compartmentalized, jazz, funk, hip hop. And I'd kind of go there while she was doing her books and just thumb through all the music that they had. And she would be like, just pick up whatever you want. There's no limit on on the stuff you can pick up. So I'd walk out of the library with like two fistfuls of music. And it got to a point where I, after I conquered all of jazz and all of hip hop and all of funk, I went to rock. I went to I went to, you know, indie and I went to I started venturing out into some yeah. of the other music that was out there. Cause I mean, if you've if you've never been to the library and seen their music section, shame on you. But there's so much music in there and it's free. And for me, it was the excitement of picking up a whole bunch of new music, going home, coming through it, seeing what I enjoyed. And for me, that's where I discovered there's all these other genres of music that are out there that I had no idea about, but I, I had to proactively go out and seek it. Right. Right? No one was feeding me these different genres of music. And that goes for anything in life. No one's going to give you the, the stuff you need, the information you need. You kind of have to go out, find it for yourself, discover it, find what you don't like, find what you like. And then you kind of go from there. That's kind of how I see it. You know, I think it's, it's also okay to not like certain things. Of course. Right? Like, course. I think jazz gets a bad rap in a lot of uh, situations. Of but also, it is a little bit of a, uh, you know, you have to it's be in the right taste. mood. It's an acquired taste. You have to be in the right mood. Yeah. You have to be in the right st- yeah. state of mind, sure. all that stuff. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But there's different, there's different genres of jazz. I mean, a lot oh, of people for sure. are, yeah. I think people think you got to listen to Monk, you got to listen to Coltrane, that's jazz. I'm like, there's a a whole new slew of new jazz artists that are out that are just mixing a lot of funk and hip hop into their jazz. Yeah. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of Robert Glasper. Carl uh, Denson's really good. Tia yeah. Fuller. I mean, yeah. there's a ton of names we can go through, but again, you have to kind of go out and seek that, that music, you know, they're not playing that on the radio. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Maybe on this one. Yeah. Maybe on this radio shout station. Shoutouts to the station. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, we're here. Uh, Kwanzaa Cat again is here. Um, let's talk a little bit more about where we can follow you yeah. around because there's a few different sites. So there if you want to follow Kwanzaa, uh, com. I try to keep up with that. You guys know how it is. Uh, I feel like the internet is just this like upkeep well, of something you always got to have to keep grooming right, it and upkeeping it. The, yeah. What do they call it? The hamster you wheel of content yeah. so and everything else. Forgive me if it's not up to date, but that's where you can pretty much you know, discover who I am. If you have no idea, you're new to who I am and what I'm doing, that's probably where you can get the meat and potatoes. But uh, Instagram, I'm really big on Instagram. Facebook, not so much, but there's some information out there. Um, but if you go to kwanzacadigan.com, you can find the Instagram, you can find. That'll be the rabbit the hole. That'll stuff. get yeah. you down the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> but you are active on Instagram with a few different um, accounts and a few yeah. different organizations. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about Time Capsule. Of course. For the culture. Yeah. And, you know, what are you, what is your overall goal there? Because it looks like it's gone through a couple of iterations. Of, yes. um, and, and that's something that people shouldn't be afraid of. Like if you're trying something new on Instagram, yeah. like don't be afraid to just shift. <laughs> exactly. Right. So it looked like you started out with some pictures of, 
uh, prominent African American and yep. black actors, actresses, yep. musicians, mm-hmm. writers, uh, authors, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and then you kind of shifted it a, a different way. I did. And to be honest, I, I think the statement you just made goes for anything in life. I think we can't be afraid to shift um, in life in general. And for me, that happened after I realized that I needed a place for all these creative things I was doing. Like I, I, my sister had kind of given me some money. I went, started the four. I got the LLC, copyrighted the name, and I've pretty much had time capsule for the culture out there for a few years and just didn't know what to do with it. Um, and then I realized you need to kind of house what you're doing somewhere so people mm-hmm. can kind of find out what you're doing, what you're about. And so, like you said, I, I started in one place and I was like, you know what, let me shift this. Um, now, what's interesting is I didn't really have a business plan. I don't really have, you know, a clear cut vision of where I'm going with this just yet. But I think that's the fun of it. I think for me, I'm finding a ton of fun and excitement in just going with the flow of life. Like today I want to create, I'm going to put up some creative stuff tomorrow. I want to promote a new book I'm going to be writing. I'm going to do that. And so I just want to show people positivity. There is a place for positivity. There is a place for creativity and positivity to grow. And for me, that's time capsule for the culture. It's preserving art and literature for the next generation, my kids, your kids. Um, and we do it, I do it through everything, art. Mm-hmm. I do it through uh, the pictures. I do it through creative, um, inspirational quotes. Um, it's just, it's just a, it's a playground for me, man. I, I think for me, I was so frightened that what are people going to think if I, if I change how I, how I align the company and, and the brand and the business and, I'm fine with it. Like, I love it. I get up every day and and I post what I feel and I post what's going on in my life. And a lot of people are resonating with it. So that's good. Well, it's an outlet for you first, right? Like as much as you want people to follow and do other things, you want people who are following and having valuable interactions with you. Yeah. I can't tell you how many uh, DMs or messages I get of people saying, man, uh, this really moved me. Uh, I love this picture. Um, Really inspirational stuff. And for me, that's the biggest reward. That's the biggest paycheck right there is that people are engaged and they are enjoying what I'm doing because a lot of it's trial and error. Uh, I, like I said, I really don't have a clear cut direction I'm heading with it. But I think having the freedom to fail and, and, and get things right and get things wrong is mm-hmm. is good. And, and to be able to do it in front of people, right, to show them there are some ideas I've had that just didn't pan out. Um, there are some ideas that just weren't so great. Yeah, rather than hide that. But I pursued it. it you know, yeah. I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take a stab at it and see how it works. And maybe it didn't. Maybe it did. And might help somebody else out yeah, in it, the future. Everyone's kind of taking the journey with me on that. Yeah. Uh, so. All right. Next up, music-wise, we're already at the end, end of the first hour. Man. I'm a joy to talk to. <laughs> you are, man. James Brown or Most Def? Oh, we got to go to Most Def, man. Okay. A.K.A. Yasin Bey. Yes. Yes. We'll play that. This yeah. is Umi Says. Anything yeah. you want to say on about this song before we play uh, it? Listen, very influential guy. Uh, Most Def and Talib Kweli, I think, are two guys that when I first heard them, I was like, man, I want to be just like them. Um, and this song's no different. It really gets me going in the morning. So hope you guys enjoy it, man. Perfect. All right. And you're going to hear that on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers.
You have a social media account of some kind. You have a brand you're trying to establish. You're thinking to yourself, how can I get some affordable and stylish props to use to help tell my story? That's where Brand Knuckles comes in. Through the magic of 3D printing, Brand Knuckles uses all of the dimensions to create a piece you can use as a giveaway to customers, as a way to brand your images, and many other applications. Go to instagram.com slash brand knuckles to learn more. And now, back to the show. Bob Marley on WPRK, Warner Park, Florida. Bob Marley and the Whalers from their album Exodus that was waiting in vain. Before the break, we heard from Most Deaf from Black on Both Sides. That was Umi Says. Good morning. My name is Nick. Every week, if you're just tuning in, I if you've never tuned into this show before, <laughs> if you're just tuning in, shame on you, because you listen every week and you're just getting in at <laughs> eight o'clock hour. I do this from seven to nine every week. I have a very special guest who's doing something interesting, fun, educational, different in the community. Yeah. And this week uh, is no exception. I have a very special guest. It's a Kwanzaa Cadigan. Morning, 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 morning. Good morning, Kwanzaa. Yeah, Thanks for morning. coming back on. So you were on back in early 2018. Yeah. So we did the full interview. We did. So that's what typically you'll hear on uh, your, during this hour. Somebody that I've never met before comes on, <laughs> and I ask them a bunch of silly questions, yeah. and we play some games. But yeah. I get to know them a little bit better. Yeah. But when they come back, I don't need to interview you again. <laughs> I already know you. What a difference a year makes, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I want to see what's going on. I want to have, and, and, you know, we want to talk a little bit about a specific topic, even though it might take us on tangents and rabbit holes and everything else. And today we're talking about culture. Culture. Um, Going back to music for a second. So we just played two songs. We played Most Deaf and we played Bob Marley and the Wailers. Um, What is it about those songs in particular, or maybe even Bob Marley, right? Like has, you know, always every year one of the best-selling albums in the world yeah yeah uh, and he's been gone for a while yeah unfortunately and but what is it about that that's so universal and what is it about yeah. that that has that appeal again we talked about it earlier there's something in the music that if you have to feel it and and bob marley and reggae music in general is something that resonates with I feel like everyone, it's interesting because it comes from a very tiny island in the Caribbean, yet it travels across oceans and it touches people far and wide. And Bob Marley specifically, he really emulates a lot of things that I try to embody in what I do. And what I mean by that is the positivity. He's he's always, all of his songs, the message is usually very positive and uplifting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always a unity aspect of let's get together let's heal the world let's we're stronger together um i think that's another message that i always try to take with me everywhere i go and then the feel good our reggae music just makes you feel good like it doesn't matter when you listen to it early in the morning late at night it just stirs up something in you that you, you get a smile on your face and you start tapping your knee and i mean you know it you know it when you hear it so um Bob Marley and, and just a lot of the reggae artists that I really listen to kind of embody everything that I try to do, you know, in everyday life. Yeah. Not just in the art, but in everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting that it translates that much. It so does. it's not just what you listen to when you're working, but it's, you know, a 
philosophy that you ascribe to. It is. It is. And honestly, that's kind of the if everyone can kind of subscribe to that, that message that he's preaching is, you know, let's the unity. Let's we're stronger together than we are apart. Mm-hmm. Let's stop the fighting. Let's uh, let's start healing one another. Let's start spreading love and unity. Um, I think that's the recipe for success. I mean, that's why the music's been so successful. And I think once we as a as a world start following the suit, I think we'll start healing a little bit better as well. So right on reggae music, you know. Nice. Well, I'll do a shameless plug right here. I don't yeah. know exactly. I should have looked this up, but okay. Saturday morning, Sunday mornings on WPRK. Okay. A lot of reggae music, a lot of reggae shows. So you could listen to it then if you want to. So we're talking the the overarching topic today is culture. And I wanted to talk a little bit about work culture. Okay. uh, Because we use that word culture when it comes to work. We spend a lot of time at work. Yeah. Um, So it's not just how people at work act. I think that's what work culture sometimes happens. But what you think people should be creating at work what you think that you should be working on at work so mm-hmm. sometimes work is it's nine to five it's very easy to set up and walk away from it yeah it is a means to an end so you can support the other things that you're doing sure but sometimes you get really involved in work yeah right sometimes it means a lot to you sure. um, especially when you're first coming out of college so was that like did you get really you sort of uh, pulled into that work culture when you first got out of college and you started working? I think, I mean, the answer is yes. I think anybody who goes to college and graduates aspires to, I guess, create a life, you know, their own life, get out of mom and dad's shadow and, and start living on your own. And getting my first job, which has been my only job, now that I think about it since I graduated from college, was this chance for me to kind of climb the corporate ladder and discover who I was in the business world. Mm -hmm. And that's always exciting because it's almost like you become a different person because let's face it, you can't be exactly who you are in real life at work. You kind of have to put on a, a cape or you put on the suit like uh, Clark Kent and, and put away the Superman for a moment so that you can live a real life. Yeah, it's your alter ego. Exactly. Yeah. But in doing so, you kind of discover a lot of things for me. Personally, I discovered a lot of things about myself. My work ethic is very much get it done, um, whatever it takes to get the project done, whatever it's needed to make it happen. It's kind of been always my forte, and I discovered that through corporate America. But the good thing is that I was able to take that and move it into kind of my personal space and my mm-hmm. personal life and some of those things that I have going. Um, organization, uh, my nine to five actually taught me how to be a little bit more organized because outside of work, I am super scatterbrained and just all over the place. Um, there's a lot of things that I took from corporate America and a nine to five and translated it into what I do every day. And and as I've gotten older, I'm learning that those two worlds are merging together. Like, um, no one talks about the narrative of young entrepreneurs who are going to work every day, doing a nine to five, and then they get home, spend a little time with the family, do homework, dinner, give the bath. And then once everyone's asleep, you go in the garage for three, four hours, and then you kind of make your dream happen. So that's a narrative that I love telling. And I would have, I had no idea that narrative existed until I actually lived that life. Yeah. Um, well, I think for, 
you hear that a lot. I mean, you, the term side hustle comes up a lot, oh, yeah. but I think when it comes to an artistic outlet, yeah, you don't hear it as much, right? It's, you hear it as, okay, maybe you're trying to do, you're trying to develop an app or yeah. maybe you're trying to start an Etsy shop <laughs> or which is, and I'm not saying there's, sure. that's any less artistic sure. than what you're doing, but yeah. there's those traditional means. And then there's doing something like, you know, during the break, we were talking about, uh, playwriting because yeah. I'll be hosting Orlando theater hour here in a little bit and, okay. and talking to a playwright about her new work. Right. But you know, that's something that you want to get into that you think that that's a, a new way of storytelling that you could eventually get into and try out. Yeah. It, for me, it's like, you have to, you have to get out and experiment. You have to try new things. And I, for me, it's going into spaces where you won't normally find someone like myself doing what I'm doing or speaking about what I'm speaking about and introducing it to a whole new world of people. To me, that's where the joy and the thrill comes is like, how can I go into a new space and just shake it up? Um, and for me that I feel like that evolution of storytelling for me is going to probably come in the form of theater and producing some type of play. So I'm excited mm -hmm. about that next journey for me as well. So I almost think that, you know, side hustle always implies that there's some monetary <laughs> response that you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. this is an art hustle. Yeah. This is, this is a creative hustle. <laughs> and, and for those listening who are thinking about getting into this world, I tell them like when I first started writing books, like don't get into it thinking you're going to make a ton of money. You're going to make a ton of cash. Like there's no bag in this at the end of the day. Really, you're doing it for the love. And I walk away from it when I see people smiling, laughing, taking pictures in front of the walls that I create, just interacting with some of the things that I do. I think that's the big reward, right? It's not monetary, but it's in the fact that I've changed someone's life for a moment. They saw something they'd never seen before. They experienced something they'd never experienced before. And maybe they did it just in a new way. The way that I presented it was slightly different. Um, I think that to me is the big joy. And I think if you're listening and you want to create, that should be the reward is leaving something for the city or for the world that's going to last longer than you. When you're, when you're gone and you've passed on, people are going to remember. That's the, that's the guy that did that 1080 yeah. by 1080 experience downtown. Yeah. I remember that they were playing table tennis in the streets. Like that's, that to me is the biggest reward, you know? Well, let me ask you this about writing books too, is it seems like there are, a number of benefits. Sure. Right. First of all, you're going to get better at writing at the end of it. Okay. Right. Because you 100%. put in, you put in more hours doing it. You practice more. Yeah. You're, you're doing all of those things. Yeah. You've produced something, which in general, you should just be proud about whether yeah. it, you sell one copy, <laughs> 10 copies, yeah. zero copies. You're, you're proud of it because you've done this. Yeah. You've accomplished something yeah. that not everybody does. Not everybody does it. You're right. Um, I think you're also, and I wanted to ask about this, but you're also putting something out there where as a, and you know, we're talking culture, but how do you self-identify as far as like your culture? Is it black? Is it Caribbean American? Is it? It's a fusion of I'm Caribbean American first. That's, okay. that's really the foundation of that. But I'm first generation American American for my parents. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's kind of like toting the line. I wasn't born in the Caribbean, but I grew up with that culture. Yeah. And so I'm able to kind of bounce between the two fairly easily. 
Um, and I identify with both, honestly. I, I, I would lean more towards the Caribbean American. You're also putting out a book from a, you know, what I would consider an underrepresented area of, of culture. Sure. Right. So even if you're writing a traditional story, right. And I think one of your books is sci-fi related. Yeah. Uh, one of your books is, uh, just a general, not drama, but just urban fiction in general. And the books, (laughs) the good thing I tell people about books are books last forever. So it's on someone's shelf. It's in a library somewhere. Years from now, someone's going to find it and stumble across it and say, man, this is amazing. And it could have, I mean, my first book was written in 2013. And now recently that I've been kind of in the public eye and been doing a lot of art stuff, I'm starting to see a lot of my earlier books. People are going back to buy them. Having just some to, interest. Yeah, yeah, just to figure out what I'm all about and, and, and what exactly it is I'm doing. But again, going into different spaces that people aren't used to. So I started in urban fiction uh, with Summer Session alumni. I kind of evolved and wanted to do something a little more mature. So I wrote sketches of a blue note. And then the next journey for me is I tried to get into urban sci-fi, which I will be getting into urban sci-fi with um, my new book, Absolute Zero. And that's, that's been another learning curve. Um, I started the year out with like, that is going to be my thing for 2019 was Absolute Zero. And then life came along and I got immersed and I got all these other opportunities. And so um, rather than rush and put something out that isn't true and passionate to myself. I kind of was like, you know what? Let me experience a little more. Let me go out, interact with some people, get Mm -hmm. some more experiences and then kind of dive back into that and then be able to write something that people have never read before or seen before. So stay tuned. Absolute zero coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little plug. Well, I I think that's interesting though, because you have to, you know, you're not beholden to anybody but yourself in these projects, right? Like it's not like you have a publisher waiting for this and that would be one circumstance. And frankly, after this, you might have publishers (laughs) waiting for, (laughs) you know, your next book and calling you up and harassing you and saying, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. You want to do immerse, but you have to finish this (laughs) book, the sequel for your young adult trilogy or or whatever you end up writing next. But But that's the fun about being an independent artist. I think the freedom to kind of do what you want when you want it and not have to kind of answer to a timetable and a timeline. I, anytime you put creativity on a timeline, I feel like it starts getting rushed and wonky yeah. because for me, it, creativity should just kind of happen. It shouldn't, it should be organic. It should be grassroots. It, it shouldn't be influenced by anything. And so I love that. I don't have to really answer to anyone. You know, I can, you know, if I decide I want to put the book out tomorrow, I can do that. Or if I want to put it out next year, I can do that as well. So that's a tremendous freedom. I love that freedom to have that. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about this in terms of the, you know, feeling that deadline looming and sometimes feeling, you know, necessity is the mother of invention sort of thing. Yeah. Do you ever, Immerse is coming up. Immerse has a deadline. Yeah. Three weeks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, does that, it may not make you feel more creative, but getting stuff done. Yeah. Right. Uh, Is having a deadline kind of helps sometimes. It does. It really does. And I think having a deadline in some cases is good for immerse Mm -hmm. for me um i was able to before i knew i got selected to immerse early um 2019 so i knew i was going to be doing immerse very early and the question wasn't 
am I going to do immerse? It's how am I going to get to immerse? Like, how am I going to line all these ideas up to make it happen in time? And that's a new challenge for me is, okay, product, how do I get materials? How do I get the community excited through social media? How do I actually paint all these walls and transport them and financially make this dream happen before a deadline? And there's a little bit of fun in that stress, but there's a little bit of fun in that. And I think that's a thing of being an independent artist is can you make this stuff happen? Right? Like my name's on the line, my brand's on the line. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited to show that I can do these things on a timeline and, and create things that are memorable and lasting. Um, I think, I think it's a great thing. I think it's a really great thing. Just to take it a step back real quick. Cause I just realized we probably said the word immerse 42 times <laughs> in the last five minutes in case you don't know what that is. Yeah. October 18th and 19th. Uh, also known as the Creative City Project. Creative so City it started Project. out as Creative City Project. Yep. It's rebranded it as has. Immerse. Mm-hmm. Um, really interesting art slash performance yeah. slash everything else you can think of. Cultural yeah. event. Thousands of local downtown yeah, Orlando. Thousands of local artists are going to kind of fill the streets of downtown Orlando. Yep. Not just local artists, but I think they're bringing in some Blue Man's group. There's going to be a lot of really entertaining things. And for me, Immerse was the first time I ever took my kids downtown Orlando. Mm -hmm. And now my children think every time that's what happens downtown is like people are in the streets doing art and having fun all the time. I'm like, don't go down there on a Friday. That would be great. But that is definitely not. (laughs) So I encourage people, bring your kids, like let them see what Orlando is all about with art and, and, and creativity. I think that's important, too, is to expose our kids to that stuff early and often. Uh, so that they realize that there's a lot of amazing things happening in this city and uh, they can be a part of it too. So, Well, and speaking of being a part of it, it's too late for this year, but thinking about next year and other different events that are going on throughout uh, Orlando over the course of the year, whether it's Maker for Orlando or French Festival or all the other ones that I'm not naming, and I apologize. (laughs) There's so many, right? (laughs) um, That I'm missing, I'm leaving any out. But the idea is that you can apply on some level yep. to be a part of this. Yep. Yep. So whether you have a fully fleshed idea um, or maybe you want to start working on that now for the application process for next year yeah. is go out and see what it is. And if you yeah. think you want to create something like that, if you yeah. want to create this temporary art installation in downtown Orlando that people can interact with yeah. and be part of it, then start thinking about that. Yeah. Or if you want to write a play and produce a play, you know, that's Orlando Fringe Festival. They have a lottery to get in. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's a, a lot of different opportunities. Yeah, there's a huge like art community here in Orlando. And apart from just knowing the right people, I think you can be anyone. And once you can submit an application and present your idea to someone, you have a chance. And I think that's what's really great about Orlando is you don't have to be, you don't have to be anything specific. You can, you can be someone just aspiring to do something mm-hmm. and just find someone to give you a chance. Right. Uh, we were talking about it earlier, actually, and I'll take a moment to kind of give you a shout out because um, there was an, I, there was one time I had an idea and I remember I text, I remember I text you and I was like, listen, I've got this really great idea. I don't know how to make it happen. And I think your response was, Hey, come out to this event. They have an open house. I think it was maker, maker effects, maker, maker effects, maker effects, yeah. maker space. And I showed up and it was it was Nick literally exposing me to a new world that I never knew existed. Like it was this creative playground where you can I mean, there was a 
you can cut wood in the back. You can make buttons. You can make a podcast. There were 3D printers. There were, mm-hmm. And it was an honor to call you a friend, brother, because that to me is what I consider friendship is someone who they don't give you a fish, right? They teach you how to fish, right? That's kind of the, how I look at it is like you've shown me something now that I can go back and like I've, I've never been exposed to. But now I can go back and say there here's this world of people that are trying to do what I do. And mm-hmm. there's a space where I can do what I do and not be ashamed or intimidated. Um, so if you're listening, give someone a chance. Like if someone texts you and you have an idea and you you have the ability to give them an, a chance in something, do that, man, because I, I know Nick was someone that gave me an opportunity and here I am making art installations in downtown Orlando <laughs> in a part because you exposed me to a world that I never knew existed in, in, in being a, make, a creator and being a maker. So shout out to you, brother. Man, if I had any small part in that, I am yeah, I am completely honored. I'm going to blush for a little bit. We're <laughs> going to take a break. Why don't we play a song? How about some, uh, you want to play some Donny Hathaway? Yeah, let's Seems appropriate yeah, since it's love, love, yeah, love. Yeah, and that's that. what I'm getting right now. <laughs> and I'm, oh, I, I am not good at taking uh, <laughs> compliments or praise or thanks. So I'm going to, I'm going to need a break here. This is Donnie Hathaway. Love, love, love. You're listening to WPRK. Maker Fair Orlando is back for the fall and it's back at the Central Florida Fairgrounds on November 9th and 10th. If you're a maker, and by that I mean you're an artist, an engineer, a tinkerer, a hobbyist with a passion project who wants to share it with an audience, we need you. Apply to be there. And we will need volunteers as well. Last year we had over 200 volunteers helping out. We could always use more. Sign up for email updates at makerfairorlando.com. That's fair with an E. Now back to the show. Teddy Pendergrass on WPRK, Warner Park, Florida. That was love, love, love. <laughs> That's Is actually that Donnie. It's actually Donnie Hathaway, but it's all good. Oh, what? I it's had okay. the wrong one. It's all right, man. Donnie Hathaway. Donnie love, Hathaway, man. love, love. Love, love, love. <laughs> man, I'm looking at this list. So thankfully for everybody out there, a Kwanzaa Cadigan, who's my very special guest today, morning, morning. Uh, picked out all the music. I just can't read ah, and good, look brother. at the different super, things. Super okay. appreciative for the Johnny opportunity, Hathaway. man. Yeah. Love, love, love. Yeah, love, 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 man. Which is basically, the, the, could have been the theme for this show. <laughs> it could have been. Man. That just, should be the theme for life, honestly, man. I it think actually, yeah. Now that, the you, theme for life, man. now that you say it. <laughs> Again, I mean, I talked a little bit about this last hour is just this, you know, I want to go into self-deprecation. I want to go into cynicism, but it's like, <laughs> can I just be honest and say, okay, I made a mistake and let's move on. <laughs> You're right. man. Right. You're right. man. It's hard. It is brother. Um, people helping you grow is important. We're talking about culture today. We're talking about a lot of different topics, but um, people who help you grow and having uh, sort of your tribe, for yeah. lack of a better term, that group of people. Um, you found something like that in Route 7 Orlando. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's a pretty unique situation. Maybe not unique, but it's something that, you know, I haven't necessarily been yeah. exposed to something yeah. like that before. There was, so Route 7 Orlando is just a group of men who are, looking to do better in the community. And I actually stumbled across Route 7 through social media. 
it's funny. Um, uh, one of my good friends who is the founder of it, Gene, uh, he actually went to University of Florida with me and I saw him posting things online about a group of just guys that were doing community service. Uh, they were holding each other accountable for a lot of their visions and dreams um, and just being a part of the community, which to me were a lot of the things that stood out. And I was at a point in my artistic journey where I was, I felt like I was all alone. Like I was doing a lot of things by myself. And so I reached out to him via social media and said, Hey man, I love what you guys are doing. Is there any way I can be a part of it? And that's all it took. It just, just simply reaching out and got invited to one of the meetings and at that time, I think it was maybe six of us just kind of sitting around a round table and we were just talking about kind of our dreams and our ideas. And what came from that is now, I mean, we're a 401-3C kind of organization. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, somewhere around 20 members um, and not to mention I'm partnering, partnering with them in my 1080 by 1080 experience to kind of get the community aspect of it going. Uh, but if you're listening and you have these dreams and aspirations and as a, as a male, it's kind of this thing where we're so macho, man, we're so, we're so macho. We're so filled with ego that we don't take a moment to stop and say, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. Here's some of my dreams. And what happens is we have these accountability meetings once a month. And we kind of go around and, and we talk just about that. Like, what are my dreams? What are my aspirations? And you know what? Probably after this show, I'm probably going to get a call from one of the guys. And they're like, yo, how are you doing? How's the 1080 by 1080 experience going? Can I help? You need any anything from me? Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you what that means for someone who, like me who I hate asking for help. Like, I'm horrible. Like, I don't like asking anyone for anything. Um but to take that element out of it and have someone actually reach out to you and say, hey, how can I help? How can I make your dream a little bit easier by assisting is probably one of the biggest benefits that I've gotten uh, from the group Route 7 Orlando. And if you're listening and you want more information, uh, I think it's Route7Orlando.org. Um, and you can you can find out tons of information about that. We're all over the city of Orlando. We're helping mentor young men. Uh, we're giving back uh, to the city through community service. Mm -hmm. Again, holding each other accountable as men, um, which is something that is much needed in this day and age because uh, at some point we have to start taking off our cool and start talking to each other and communicating. And uh, that's Route 7 in a, in a nutshell, man. I think there's a lot to be benefit. A lot of people can benefit from an organization like that. Um, and I think... A lot of people can follow that lead in that format that we have in terms of just reaching out to your brother, asking them how they're doing. Yeah. Um, I think people forget about that, checking in on on your friends and, and making sure they're doing okay. Um, if you know someone that's a young entrepreneur and trying to start their business, reach out to them and say, hey, man, how are you doing? Is everything all right? Can I help? Maybe you post something that they're doing to kind of give them a little encouragement. Um, I think once we start that, cycle of just helping each other uh i think we're, we're going to start growing in a better space so well i think it's interesting too when you talk about like doing that outreach is we may sometimes think that we can look at 
social media. Like, oh, I just looked at Kwanzaa's feed and it looks mm-hmm. like he's doing great. It looks like he's all set up for <laughs> Immerse and 1080 by 1080. And yeah. it looks like he's super happy yeah. because, but you got to remember that for the most part, yeah. we're showing our best lives definitely on that stuff. Yeah. So man, go out there and actually figure out if somebody needs some help or to just do, just do the, it doesn't take long. Yeah. The right? bare to minimum. send a text. Yeah. The bare minimum. It doesn't to, to <laughs> it DM doesn't. somebody. It doesn't. Yeah. How you doing? How can I help? Um, what you're doing is great. I mean, just validation. I know to some people it may not mean a lot, but for someone who's struggling and, and trying their best to make a difference, something like, Hey man, right on. I see what you're doing. It's amazing. Keep up the good work. That goes more than any financial dollar can go. Just a little bit of encouragement. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and we just got through Route 7 Orlando. We just did a mental health thing for men, which was, for me, really empowering because I didn't realize how many mental health issues were going on in my mind that I could have, just by talking it through, just by speaking to others and realizing that other people are going through the same thing, um, that really changed my perspective on life because I'm not the only one going through anything. Like everyone, if you're listening, is probably going through some of the same things I'm going through. And Similar things all the time, yeah. <clears throat> and that kind of ties back to culture as well, right? Like I, I think there's a lot of things, even though we may not come from the same culture, that kind of affect us in the same way culturally. And so, uh, yeah, I think, well, so to your point is that, and and this is not an excuse. This is not a, like, you know, me thinking that I'm better than other people by any means, but in some cultures and growing up in some households, men are downgraded for lack of a better term. If they go and seek outside counseling, they're, they're looked at differently. Yeah. I think people in general are, I agree, but I think men, like you can't have that conversation with other men. I know some of my friends I can, and there's definitely a lot of friends that I can't, that I'll feel less than because I've had this conversation and that's on me. That's not on the, uh, everybody else. That's not me making excuses for my actions of not getting help sooner. But yeah, so there's this there's this block yeah. that it, you have. It's funny what you can solve with just simple conversation. Yeah. Just being able to talk to someone else and tell them, listen, this is what I'm going through. And to your point, as men, we tend to not do that. We we want to show the world that we can do it on our own, that we can handle it. We got it under control. And a lot of the times we don't. Uh, we don't have it under control and we, we don't. We're just kind of winging it. And talking to others about the same things or the issues that you have can kind of get you through it. Like you can, you can all come to a resolution or Mm -hmm. you can find some kind of common ground. And, um, listen, if, if you can help yourself and while you're, you can help some other people at the same time, then you've, you've changed the world just, just by doing that. I agree. Yeah, man. All right. Uh, it seems like a good place to break. For oh, now. Yeah. More music. More music. <laughs> oh, man. All right. What do you want to play next? Uh, Chronics? Uh, yeah, we could play some Chronics. Okay. This is Majesty from the yeah. album Chronology. Anything you want to say about this? Listen, reggae music, people, it is, it's the healing of the nation. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy, man. Very nice. And you'll listen to that on WPRK. This is Odd Numbers. Speaking of subscribing... 
This podcast is available wherever you subscribe to podcasts. That's Apple. That's Google, Stitcher, Spotify. I found one the other day called CastBox. Guess what? It's there too. And it's that's a real thing. If you are interested in people in Orlando who are doing neat things, then you should definitely listen on the regular, as the kids say. So subscribe, why don't you? Now back to the show. Chronics on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Odd Numbers. Good morning. My name is Nick. In case you want to know how to spell that, it's Chronics with two X's. There you go. At the end. <laughs> uh, that was the song Majesty yeah. from the album Chronology. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely going to look them up now. Uh, get a chance to explore some new music by having your guest to be the DJ. It's always a good idea. <laughs> it is a great idea. To do that if you Thank have a you music show. Thank you for the opportunity, show. man. Yeah, Thank man. You. Uh, Kwanzaa Cadigan is my very special guest this week. Uh, we're almost out of time. We got a few more minutes. Um, our topic today has been culture. Um, it's something that I think sometimes we struggle to talk about. Sometimes we're embarrassed to talk about. I know growing up in the Greek culture, I never really wanted to talk about that. I wanted it to be about me integrating into whatever room I was in. Right. Right. So right, if I right. was in a room of Greek people, I could do that. If yeah. I was in a room of, you know, I was at school or something where there were few or no other Greek people, I wanted to be able to integrate. Yeah. Um, not that I wanted to be invisible. I just wanted to fit in. Right, 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 right. And, you know, as I get older, I I want to fit in less and less. Of not course. that I want to, but yeah. I feel like I'm more comfortable in my skin than I've ever been. Yeah. And what's nice is I look at my kids and they're okay with whatever they're into. They're not trying to fit into boxes yeah. at school or in different social situations. And that's awesome. Um, and they're feeling better about being different and liking different things. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I look at it this way because food is very cultural as well. Yeah. Um, my son takes what I would have considered a very embarrassing meal to school every day. He packs his own lunch. Sure. And it's like, and, and you know, he likes feta cheese, not because he's Greek, but because it's really good. Sure. But feta cheese <laughs> and chickpeas with olive oil and salt yeah. and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and pita chips. And I love that, man. You know, all this other kind of random yeah. stuff. And, you know, it can, the feta cheese can smell a little bit or yeah. whatever. And, yeah. you know, it's noticeable that he's eating, you know, not the deli meat sandwich and the <laughs> chips that everybody else is eating. Yeah. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care. You know, you can like, you can hate, yeah. you can do whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that's, it's it's interesting because that's not something I could have done as a kid. I was yeah. curious if you see your own kids sort of embracing, not necessarily culture, sure, but the, their differences. Yeah. Well, my kids are still fairly young, uh, eight and six. And mm. so... I still see they're trying to find their lane, but something really interesting that you said about your son is the absence of what other people think. I think that's the key to everything is we tend to worry so much about what are people going to think? How are they going to judge me? And it sounds like your son's kind of mastered that and being like, listen, I just want my stomach to be full. I'm hungry and I want to eat. And I don't care what people think about my cheese and I don't care about what they think about my chips. And I think that's the mentality we kind of have to have is, mm -hmm. you know, don't worry so much about what other people think. Um, 
your life is your life and you've been given that life and you got to live it to the best of your ability. And you're going to waste a lot of your life trying to please others. Um, I think for me early, I've realized that I can only I can do what I do and I'm going to try to do what I do to the best of my ability. Um, a lot of that's come out of conversation. I think there's a lot of dialogue that if we start having the dialogue like we're having today um, about culture, about music, about art, um, there's so much that I learned from you today that I'm sure you learned from me as well. Yeah. And for everyone that's listening, I think if you get to work today and you talk to someone you've never talked to before and, and find out something new today, then your day is more enriched than it was when you got up this morning because you learned something new about someone. And I don't think we should ever give up that pursuit about learning something new about someone else. I think that's kind of how we start this healing process uh, that's going on. We need to, we need to kind of start this healing process in the world. And, and that starts with just dialogue and conversation and, not wor worrying to please everyone and just kind of living your life and stay in your lane. And, and if you can take some people along with you, educate them along the way, inspire them along the way. That's kind of been my, uh, my whole forte. That's kind of been my brand. That's kind of been how I've approached life. And, and that's what I do for my kids is I show them the same thing. It's like, mm -hmm. don't do as I say, do as I do, you know, like take a look at me. I, I remember my kids saw me when I was at the Dr. Phillips performing arts center, uh, doing Pachakasha. And they were up in the, kind of up in the rafters up and it was sold out. It was one of those shows. And my kids think now I'm a celebrity because people <laughs> come to uh, these fancy uh, places and listen to, to their dad talk, yeah. and listen to me talk and they stand and, and applaud for me. So for me, I've already lived a good life if my kids think I'm some famous <laughs> person right now. Perfect. <laughs> Man, future bad business idea right there. <laughs> Like we'll get you up there and your kids can come in and we'll have everybody clap for you. Not a, not a bad, I, actually it's a, that's a pretty it's, bad it's a pretty idea. Bad. That is a pretty terrible, just Listen, right into toxic culture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Kwanzaa Cadigan, um, you can find him online. Probably the best place to go is a Kwanzaa com, or you can search for him on Instagram and that's a Q U A N Z A. C-A-D-O-G-A-N. I have spelled that way too fast for man, anybody to get amazing, it. But man, that was good. in general, look up a Kwanzaa <laughs> yeah. and you'll probably there's not too many, there's not too be many able Kwanzaa, to track so. him down. Yeah. Uh, author, artist, activist, uh, poet, yeah. Yeah. you know, writer, all these things, yeah. a yeah. speaker at Pachakacha yeah. Nerd Night in the past as well. Yeah. So you can catch some of that stuff out there on the internet too um but one of the things that's coming up where people can meet you yeah is I'll going be to there. be immerse, immerse the creative city project that's yep. coming up uh just in about two to three weeks yep about three weeks out now actually um the october 18th and 19th uh, we'll be downtown orlando we've got a pretty good uh chunk of a street down there yep. um I'll, I'll be announcing where that is shortly i, I their guidelines to this, so I can't just kind of communicate everything right now. But sure. um, in the next week or so, you'll know exactly where I'm located and how to come see it. And I, if you're listening, come check me out. Come take a picture in front of the walls. Come play some table tennis. Uh, come say hi. Uh, it's going to be a good time. We're going to get the we're going to get art, community, and play together, and uh, just show the city that we're one unified place, man. We 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 love Orlando. I love Orlando. It's the most creative place I've seen in a while. So come out and enjoy.
So that's coming up. Um, and you can look up Immerse on any of the social medias as well. They're yeah. very well represented, <laughs> well represented on the social media. And if you're seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff of some of the other installations, especially like the dance and oh, the more yeah. elaborate performance stuff, oh, yeah. man, it's going to be remarkable. Yeah, it's it is a uh, do not miss event. Uh, if you missed any of this show and you want to listen to more of my conversation with a Kwanzaa Cadigan, you can go to a website called to a certain degree.com. You can look it up on any of the podcast networks that are out there yeah. and available. You can subscribe on all of them. I think that might help me. I'm not really sure. Yeah, go out and follow. Go out and follow Nick. Come and uh, you, can, a like and a you can please a yeah, like and a follow. Please. That's, That's all, all I ask for. It's, it costs you nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much for having me, brother. I really yeah, appreciate it, man. We need more people like you giving people an opportunity. Give them a chance. Um, oh, man. So shout out to you, brother. My pleasure. And uh, yeah, and so I'll actually be on for another hour. I'm going to host awesome. the Orlando Theater Hour and coming up next, and I'll be talking to Ashley Ann Gardner about her production of her work, Qualia, which is coming <laughs> up next week. So a lot of stuff going on. Let's leave it at that. So let's shake hands on the air because I think that makes <laughs> that for works. good radio. Yes, it does, brother. <laughs> Very firm grip. Thank you. No worries, no worries. And uh, let's play one more song. How about, uh, oh. you know, we talked about James Brown earlier. Oh, brother. You that would play be, a little that'll James be the Brown? best way to go out, man. Super I bad. think so. Yeah. I think so. Parts one. And two. And two. Yes, brother. Sometimes yes. you only hear one of them. <laughs> You're going to hear both on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You've been listening to Odd Numbers. Peace and love. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to Odd Numbers, episode 25. Where do you go from here? Tell your friends, families, neighbors about how great this show is. Also visit toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. Just a reminder that this episode and every episode is recorded live on WPRK 91.5. You can listen every Monday at 7 a.m. on your radio or streaming on the internet. That's when shows are at their peak freshness. Thanks for listening. I'll truly miss our little talks.